All right, Leviticus chapter 18, please. Leviticus chapter 18. And those of you who uh, sometimes read ahead, knowing where we're going, have uh, kind of approached me already and asked uh, how we're going to handle today's chapter. Whew. Um, Leviticus chapter 18. So if I were going to title today's message, uh, part one, here we go. The title is Sexual Sin. Okay, and uh, I want to be honest with you, um, the information in this chapter is kind of sensitive in its nature. Uh, it's kind of mature in its nature. And there are different groups and different churches and different theologians and different schools of thought that will tell you don't even teach this chapter. Well, I don't necessarily believe that that's the best way to handle God's word. Um, my Bible tells me in 2 Timothy 3.16 that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and all scripture is profitable. So sometimes we need to dig into passages of scripture that might make us squirm a little bit. Okay, this is going to be one of these. Now, I will warn you ahead of time. Probably more squirming will be going on next week than this week, okay? But uh, because we are going to be dealing with certain subject matter in this chapter that are, is kind of tough. And, uh, but I don't think the way to help you and I to learn how to deal with God's truth is to avoid God's truth. Too often we have issues um, because we as Christians don't address some of these sensitive subjects, and then when the sensitive subjects come up in our real life, we don't know how to handle them. You with me? Amen. Okay. Um, so if God thought it important to write it down in his Bible, I think it's important that we take a minute to understand what he wants us to learn. Okay. So we are going to be dealing with some interesting issues. I hope maybe now that I've introduced this to you that you'll take Next, this, between now and next week and have a moment of reading this passage so you can get a, a little jump on it with me. But uh, let's begin reading this passage at verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, I am the Lord your God. After the doings of the land of Egypt, wherein ye dwelt, ye shall not do. And after the doings of the land of Canaan, whither I will bring you, ye shall not do, neither shall ye walk in their ordinances. Ye shall do my judgments and keep my ordinances to walk therein. I am the Lord your God. Ye shall keep my statutes and my judgments, which if any man do, he shall live in them. And, excuse me. He shall live. In them, and I, or I am the Lord. Verse 6. None of you shall approach to any of their near kin of him and uncover their nakedness. I am the Lord. The nakedness of thy father, nor the nakedness of thy mother, shalt thou not uncover. She is thy mother, thou shalt not uncover her nakedness. The nakedness of thy father's wife, thou shalt not uncover. It is thy father's nakedness. The nakedness of thy sister, the daughter of thy father, or the daughter of thy mother, whether she be born at home or abroad, even their nakedness thou shalt not uncover. The nakedness of thy son's daughter, or of thy daughter's daughter, even the nakedness, even their nakedness thou shalt not uncover, for theirs is thine own nakedness. 
the nakedness of thy father's wife, begotten of thy father. She is thy sister. Thou shalt not uncover her nakedness. Thou shalt not uncover the nakedness of thy father's sister. She is thy father's near kinswoman. Thou shalt not uncover the nakedness of thy mother's sister. She is thy mother's near kinswoman. Thou shalt not uncover the nakedness of thy father's brother. Thou shalt not approach him to his wife. She is thy aunt. Thou shalt not uncover the nakedness of thy daughter-in-law. She is thy son's wife. Thou shalt not uncover her nakedness. Thou shalt not uncover the nakedness of thy brother's wife. It is thy brother's nakedness. Thou shalt not uncover the nakedness of a woman and her daughter. Neither shalt thou take her son's daughter or her daughter's daughter to uncover the nakedness. For she is thy near kinswoman. It is wickedness. So we're going to stop right there and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray that uh, first and foremost you would be with my mind. Lord, it's a difficult passage. Tough subject. But Lord, it is important that we understand what your standards are. In this world today, there's so much wishy-washy, you know, do your own thing kind of mentality. And that is not how followers of Jehovah God ought to be behaving. And we see that. And so, Father, it's not a set of rules that we're trying to enclose upon people to keep them in line. Father, it's a reflection of the kind of God that you are. And Father, we're going to look at that this morning. So Lord, I pray um, that you would be with your word, help it to be clear. Lord, be with the things that I say, use it to help each one, uh, one of us understand where we need to focus. Father, thank you that I am not the teacher, that your word is truth. And so Lord, I just pray that you would help as we uh, look to this together. In Jesus' name, amen. So one of the first things I want to bring to our attention is our God is a God of real life. Okay, too often um, religion is separated up sometimes as this lofty kind of thing that's over here and then real life, you know, and people do their religious thing for maybe an hour a week, but then real life is the rest of the week. Uh, our God gives us a book that covers real life. It covers rape, it covers incest, it covers murder, it covers lying, cheating, stealing. It covers real life. Now, if you don't want to admit that that's real life, then you've got blinders on. Because that stuff takes place all over our world. And unfortunately, and man, if it's not evident to you right now, again, you've got blinders on. Sexual sin is rampant in our country, in our world, and God has something to say about it. And he's had something to say about it. And just because all of a sudden man decides that they don't care anymore doesn't mean God doesn't still have a standard. And that's where I want us to focus. But today, um, even though we did read all about this nakedness and all about these things that will be an issue, we will be dealing with that next week. Okay? What I want to focus on today is why. Why does God tell us to not do these things? Okay, and it's important that we that we get a good understanding. God wants you and I to know the difference between clean and unclean. How many of you have heard me say that over the last few months? This entire book of Leviticus is written so that we would know the difference between clean and unclean. God has a standard of purity and holiness he wants us to maintain. 
there are things that are clean and unclean, okay? And we went to the point where we looked at God being careful to warn his people not to eat shellfish and not to eat pork and all those things early because of the issues of cleanness and uncleanness. We understand that it pictured a more biblical truth in the fact that God wants you and I to live a life that reflects who he is. And see, there's the issue. And I've always, uh, should say, I've always done that. That's not right. Since a pastor friend told me this, so often we ask the question or make the statement that says, why shouldn't I do that? Right? How many of you ever said that in your mind? Don't lie to me. Yes, you have. <laughs> it's my life. It's my, I can do what I want. Why shouldn't I? The better question to ask as a follower of God is why should I? do that what is it exactly i am saying what positive what representation what kind of example is it setting why should i we should be asking our question what's the positive for me doing that not by golly i have the right okay it's my life let me live it well if that's the way you want to live According to what my Bible says, what we're about to look at is if you are one of the followers of God, Jehovah, through the Lord Jesus Christ, that we belong to him. The Bible says, I'm bought with a price. I don't belong to me anymore. The blood of Jesus Christ has purchased me and forgiven me for my sins. Well, I can do what I want. It's my life. No, it's not. If you're a believer, if you truly have asked Jesus to be your savior, you belong to him now. That's why we call ourselves Christ-like ones, Christians. Don't put your name, the name Jesus on your chest and then decide you're going to do things your way. If you're going to be a Christ-like one, then act Christ-like. Yes? Okay. He says, I want to sanctify you, set you apart. Remember that word, sanctify? Okay, I telling you my wife and I had heard some preaching the other day and he was talking about sanctified and holy and she leaned over to me and she said toothbrush because you guys know my example okay it's one of the silliest ones but it never it, you get it stuck in your brain you'll never look at it again okay what is your toothbrush used for all right I hope you all have a toothbrush okay or maybe I don't know they should have called it teeth brush shouldn't they because wouldn't a toothbrush mean you had one tooth Anyway, there you go. What do you use a toothbrush for? And nothing else, right? You're not scrubbing the sink with it. You're not washing dishes with it. You're not letting anybody else use it, are you? Okay, it is set apart. It is sanctified. It is holy. It is for you only. Okay, that is what God is trying to say about you and me. If I walked into the bathroom and one of my children or my wife was holding my toothbrush, I'm getting a new toothbrush. Because it's mine, it's for me, and only mine. Do you understand? That is what God is trying to say. He has always said that. That followers of God through Jesus Christ, now that we're in this church age post-cross, that you ask Jesus to be your Savior, you are surrendering to him as your Lord, which means you are now doing what he wants you to do. Now, some of the issues we're going to be talking about tonight, today and next week 
There are churches across the world who have kind of given a pass to some of these behaviors because, oh, we live in a different world. We don't live in a different Bible anymore. God's word is God's word. His standards don't change. If my God changes, then he's not God. He is everlasting, and his truth endureth forever. We need to be clear on this. Now, with that in mind, I seem to be being extra forceful, and that is because of what he's going to say. This is going to be boring as snot in a minute. But I want you to look at verse of uh, well, 1 through 4 again. <laughs> Especially, verse 3, after the doings of the land of Egypt, wherein ye dwelt, ye shall not do. After the doings of the land of Canaan, where I shall bring you, ye shall not do. He is trying to remind us that there are behaviors that are going on in these places that God's people should not be involved with. You with me? I'm not making it up there, am I? Okay, you, he's saying, the doings of those people... You don't do that. Now, interestingly enough, God had delivered them from the land of Egypt. That's the place that they came from and the behaviors of those people. And again, for those of us who are Bible students, understand that when you read about Egypt in the Bible, it's a picture of the world and the world system. But he also says the land of Canaan where I'm about to send you. So he's not just talking about the people that you just came from. He said, I'm going to be moving you into that promised land, which is in Canaan. And there's some people there that do things that I don't want you to be doing either. God has a standard. And he said, if you are representing me, there's certain things you ought not to be doing. You can do it if you want to. If you want to live for your own self, this is my, my life. I do what I want. But if you are going to be representing Jehovah God, there's certain things you ought not to be doing. Okay? Reason, I want you to catch it. Catch, now, stay with me. Read these verses with me. I want you to see it. Look, if you would, chapter 8, verse 2. And we're just going to jump from verse to verse for two whole chapters. I want you to see this truth that can, keeps coming up. Look at verse 2. It says, I am the Lord your God. Look at verse 4. I am the Lord your God. Verse 5. I am the Lord. Verse 6. I am the Lord. Verse 21. Right? I, the name of thy God, I am the Lord. Verse 30. Okay, it says there at the end, I am the Lord your God. Look at 19, verse 2. Be ye holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Verse 3. Oops, I'm turning too fast. I am the Lord your God. Verse 4. I am the Lord your God. Verse 10. I am the Lord your God. Verse 12. I am the Lord, verse 14. I am the Lord, verse 16. I am the Lord, verse 18. I am the Lord, verse 25. I am the Lord your God, verse 28. I am the Lord, verse 30. I am the Lord, verse 31. I am the Lord your God, verse 32. It says, I am the Lord, verse 34. I am the Lord, verse 36. I am the Lord your God. Verse 37, I am the Lord. You think we're getting a, a message? Okay. God's trying to make a very important point here. He says, you need to do the things I'm asking you because I am the Lord. Period. Okay. Uh, and we're going to deal with this a little bit. Well, let's talk about it now. That word Lord in your King James Bible is 
capital L, capital O, capital R, and capital D. Okay, that means Jehovah. That means Yahweh. Okay, that is the name that God described to Moses when he said, who is it that sends you? You know, he's, who am I going to tell God who's, who's sending me? And he says, tell him I am the self-existing one. This is the powerful name of God himself, Jehovah, Yahweh. Okay, now I want you to understand that he's saying, why? Because I'm God. That's why. Now, I know some of us have had interesting relationships with our parents down through the years, and this may not hold as much weight in some of your lives as it did in mine, but when I was growing up and my dad said, we're going to be having curfew, nine o'clock, uh, 10 o'clock to bed, you're only you know eight years old, we're going to bed by 10. That was late for some kids, okay? And he said, but why? And you know what dad said? Because I'm your father, and I said so. Y'all been there? But Joey's dad doesn't have a curfew. They can't stay up as late. Well, that's Joey's dad. I am your father, and I say 10 o'clock. I say, you're not getting up from this table until you finish your broccoli. Okay, which for me, that wasn't a problem. I love broccoli. If somebody said to me, finish your lima beans, I'd have sat there all day long. Thank you, Connor. <laughs> lima beans. Oh, I have trouble eating soup with a single lima bean in it. You can taste it. Just one lima bean. Can't you, Connor? You can taste it. Okay. You go, uh, well, why? Because I'm your father. And that are, are in this home, as a family, this is one of our standards. We don't waste food. And uh, ice cream is not a viable food group. Okay? You will eat your vegetables. Do you understand that? Now, so many, this is where sometimes I, I find it so difficult with people in this world who have a problem with what God says. God makes a ruling, makes a statement, he makes a standard in his word, and they pitch a fit about it and think that's so unfair. But our parents do it all the time when our children are growing up. And we'll say, listen, I am your father. Your mother and I have talked about this. We have established this. This is going to be the standard in our home, and this is what you are going to do. And then they say those other things. When you have your own family, you can do things the way you want. Yes? Yeah. But. Amen. Now here's the question, the question again, that the statement is, are you in God's family or are you in your own family? If you want to go out and do your own thing, feel free to not pay attention to anything that God has to say. But if you want God's standards, he still has standards. And he says, I want you to be different than those people in that world. Okay, in verse 4, we didn't finish reading it. Do my judgments, keep my commandments to walk therein. I am the Lord, your God. He says, I don't want you to do things after their ordinances. I want you to do things after mine. God says I've set some standards. Now again, if we're not careful, we begin to think, oh, these are just rules. Now maybe in your house you did have some rules that you didn't understand. Maybe you still don't understand it. But somebody, I mean, I'm trying to be real. Our God is in real life, real life God. Why do parents have their children go to bed early? 
Because ah, they need the rest. Okay? And children go, I don't want to hear that. Doctors have come out with reports, man, that said if you don't get at least eight hours of sleep a night, you're not going to be as useful as you could. Children need that much, right? Why do children need to eat their vegetables? Because it's healthy for them. It's good for them, right? We as parents make rules, not just because we like to go, <laughs> I can't believe they went to bed at 9 o'clock at night. Look at that, Mom and I are free. We get to pop in a movie that we didn't want them to watch. Break out the popcorn. The kids are in bed. Now, come on. Are you honestly? Now, maybe, unfortunately, you had a parent who was very self-centered and they made rules just to fit their own life. But the majority of loving, concerned families make standards in their households because it helps their children to grow up into the kind of people that they need to become. Well, God does the exact same thing. He's not just setting these standards just because he's up in heaven going, <laughs> I made another rule for them to follow. Woohoo! Go me. No, God is doing these things because he is trying to show that they have a family relationship with God. And here, there's the key, and that's what I want to focus on. Go, if you would, to Hebrews. So first of all, God says, I am the Lord your God. He is establishing something absolutely 100% true and says, I am creator Jehovah God. This is why I'm saying what I'm saying, because I have the right to, because I'm God. Now, along with this, and, and this is tough, okay, and I, uh, curl your toes up already because we're going to step on When dealing with the subject matter, what we're dealing with is sexual sin, Jehovah God, Yahweh himself, self-existent one, the God of this universe, creator of all, knows all and sees all. And those things that you think you're getting away with, that nobody else sees, he sees. Now, I, I know the subject is sexual sin, but what other sin? You understand the key here? We just talked about, uh, in Sunday school, about those who uh, enjoy a sinful, lustful sort of life hide in the darkness, don't they? Why? Because in the darkness, people don't see. Why is it that all these bars and things that late at night were things going on that don't necessarily should be going on are always dark? Why is it that drug deals go on in the back alley where you can't see what's going on? Why? Because... I don't want to be seen. Understand something. Jehovah God, I am the Lord. He sees. He knows. You may think you're hiding your behavior from everybody else. You can't hide it from God. He is holy. I am the Lord, your God. He knows. Amen. Hebrews, I said, right? Chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. Now, I want to, I'm setting a tone here before we get too much further. Well, Pastor, you're dealing with sex. Sex is a terrible thing. God doesn't like it. Act wrong. That's not true at all. God created it. He made it so that we would enjoy it. Go God. He's awesome. He knows what he's doing. Hebrews chapter 13 Verse 5. 
Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 says, Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with that. Am I in the right verse? May not have got the one. Oh, no, verse 4. Marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled. Did you hear that? Marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled. God created it, created the sexual relation to be enjoyed. As long as you do it by his standards, correct? And we just read, listen, don't uncover your father's nakedness, your mother's nakedness, your daughter's nakedness. We're going to cover that some more. But God set some guidelines. He said the marriage bed, undefiled. You and your spouse want to have a, an enjoyment in what God has created? Knock yourselves out. Okay, God made it for a purpose. So I just want you to understand, because there are some, especially in uh, older Christian circles, who kind of give you this idea that, uh, oh, it was just made for having children, that's all. There's no, If you enjoy it, that's wrong. Shame, shame. No, it's not what God says. He's always created it for the purpose of enjoyment. Matthew chapter 28. Oh, no, I'm going to... I'll be at verse 5 in a minute. That's the problem. I'm jumping ahead of myself. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. I know I wanted to go Hebrews chapter 5. It's just in the wrong place. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse... Uh, we can look right in verse 1. Now concerning wherefore the things I wrote, it is good for man to touch not a woman. Verse 2. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife, and every wife have her own husband. Let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence, and likewise also the wife unto her husband. The wife hath not power over her own body, but the husband, and likewise the husband hath not power over his body, but the wife. Defraud not one another, except with consent for a time, that ye give yourself to fasting and prayer, and come together again, that Satan tempt you not in your incontinency, or for your incontinency. You know what basically that says? This is when you are in a relationship with your husband or your wife. Please enjoy your physical time together. Matter of fact, it says don't use it as a weapon. Don't keep it from one another. It actually says that uh, my wife's body is for me and her, uh, my body is for her. That you ought to use it when often as you can. Now, there's a word here we don't yet necessarily use very much. I know, guys, we're on an adult subject here. Stay with me. How many of you heard the word incontinency before? Generally, what is that you find that word? Attached to adult diapers, right? Come on, you with me? I, I want us to be very, very clear on what God's saying here. He says, You know what? And I like it. You can't hold it, right? You, it, it happens, you can't stop it. God's saying, Listen, you, God has given us this, and we ought to be using it in a good way so that you don't get to a point where you can't contain yourself and you wind up going out and finding somebody else. To help with your incontinency. You with me so far? Come on. I, I want this to be clear. We, we don't teach this clearly enough in God's word. God has made us to have special relationships with different 
with our spouses in the world and to satisfy this need. And if it's not satisfied by the spouse, then you wind up being incontinent, meaning you can't hold it. And before you know it, you might just be uncovering your mother's nakedness or your father's nakedness or your daughter's nakedness or your aunt's nakedness. You, Hello? Yeah. Okay, please stay with me. I know this is tough, but I wanted to be careful. But the point being is God created it to be used with a purpose. It is for a husband and wife. It is something to be enjoyed. Stay with me, please. So God says, I am the Lord, your God. So he says, I am Jehovah God because I said so. But he also says, I am the Lord, your God. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, the verse I didn't finish reading because I wanted to be on verse 4 says something interesting, and I want us to realize it. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 says, Let your conversation be without covetousness, but be content with such things as ye have. For he saith, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. You understand that once you have received Jesus Christ as your Savior, and you've asked God to forgive you of your sins, and you get back in that relationship where he is your heavenly father, he says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. There's more to just God saying, okay, because I said so. God is now a permanent part of your life. Yes? If you've asked Jesus Christ to be your Savior, the Holy Spirit takes a permanent residence in you. We are permanently added to the family of God. He is now with you always. As a matter of fact, Matthew chapter 18, 28, 18 through 20, we call the Great Commission. Oftentimes we miss that one little passage, right? Go into all the world, make disciples. And at the end it says, for lo, I am with you always. Do you realize if you're going to pursue some sort of lustful behavior that God is with you when you do it? Now we're talking about the why not to do this. Number one, because God said so. Number two, because he is always with us. Do you ever think about it? We taught this when we were looking at the Holy Spirit. If that Holy Spirit is within me, and the Bible says, grieve not the Holy Spirit, you realize the very pure, holy, sinless God's Holy Spirit lives within me, and if I go off to sin someplace, I'm dragging him into a sinful behavior which disgusts him. When you and I do things we're not supposed to be doing, we're dragging our God who will never leave us and forsake us, who is always with us, right in the middle of that nasty sin with us. Now, come on for a minute. How many of you would, and again, this sub, the subject of this uh, chapter is sexual sin, but how many of us have sins in our lives we don't particularly like? I'm not going to ask you to tell me what they are, but how many of you would do them if Grandma was standing right next to you? or mom, or dad, or your spouse, or your children, or somebody else. Uh, we even use that phrase, right, where somebody says a word they're not supposed to, and we say, you kiss your mother with that mouth? Because we say, you mean, somebody you love like your mom, what would she think? Well, listen, guys, God is always with you. 
He will never leave you nor forsake you. That means no matter what you are doing, he is present there being a part of it with you. God says, listen, I, I've got some standards, guys, and it's not just because I want to keep you in a little box of behavior. I want you to understand I am the Lord, your God. Second Peter. Second Peter chapter 2, or chapter 1, right in the very beginning. So now, I know I just laid a heavy on your shoulders thinking, oh man, the Lord's with me all the time. I better watch what I'm doing. That's one side of it. But understand, that means I am always with you. That means if you're going out to fulfill your duty, to, to do the Great Commission, to live your life, I will never leave you. For no he goes ahead of us. He knows the situation we're going to walk into before we even get there. Do you ever think of that? He says, go into all the world, preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and lo, I am with you always. 